aside and welcome. My name is Chrissy Robertson, and I'm going to read the text to you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, or if you don't have one, there's one in the pew in front of you, and it's, in, it's on page 1091 in your pew Bible. The coming of the Lord. But we do not want to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. We do have hope here at Westside, right? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not present heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is that. I wanted to um, just continue in our thought of grief and glory as we are in this season. Um, last week, we just sort of met in this room, and I believe that we just needed to cry together and to weep, given us to carry us through this. We learned last week that the Sunday before, JT taught us that Jesus is faithful. And the next Sunday, that Jesus is still faithful. That the circumstances don't change that promise. Listen, this is why theology is so important. This is why we do what we do. This is why we study the Bible like we today and forever are what we build our life on in moments like this. To understand and to know the very faithfulness of God. And a sentence just to summarize where we were and where we were at last week was this. As we said, that is full of glory. And I believe that you heard that in the verses that were read to you. And as I sat this week and just sort of processed more, it's, it's not a linear concept. It's not that in the process of grief that you finish stage one and then move smoothly to stage two, but rather it is cyclical. They feel that now, sort of after the adrenaline of the tragedy, and then there were these things in the week, almost markers to look forward to of, okay, we're going to gather on Sunday. And then Monday, we sort of had a community series about JT and how his love for Jesus has impacted our lives. And we were out there for over an hour. And then to gear up for the service on Wednesday, and I sat down, I, I felt very disoriented because now it was, well, what's next? And I was reminded, C.S. Lewis lost his wife, and it was very devastating to him. And as a writer and as a theologian, the way that he processes is that he writes. And so he wrote a book in grief and pain and loss and, and suffering. And as he was at a book signing and talking about the book of grief observed... Someone asked C.S. Lewis this question, suffer. Why do the righteous suffer? Why is it that those who follow Jesus, those who are given their life to God, suffer? And then C.S. Lewis, with his wit, they're the only ones who can take it. 
I believe that is a profound sentence. He doesn't just mean that we can, quote unquote, handle it. What's also Paul to a congregation there in Thessalonica? Paul didn't get to spend very much time with that congregation. And so as he left, there were what happens to people who die in this lifetime? What happens to them? What's the hope that we have? What is the theology? What do we know to them? And he answers their questions. And I believe that we have some words of hope here. And, and the first thing that I very simply want you to see in these verses is grieve too. I love the words that the Apostle Paul uses. Look at your Bibles in verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed. Verse 15, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. I mean, I'll tell you this week, when I read those verses, that verse, I was so comforted. The moment when I sat down to write this message, I believed that it all depended on me. And then the Holy Spirit jarred me out of that and said, this thing does not depend on you. Word from God. And then he goes on and says in verse 18, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So today we're going to have encouragement. And the encouragement is that we grieve too. Because look at what he says. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I love what he says. When we pause and when we meditate on the word of you're a Christian, he doesn't say that. He says we do grieve. But then he draws a line in the sand and he says, but we grieve as those who have, in the original language, it was very interesting. This is what it looks like for the two of you who care what it looks like in the original language. It's a very big word. And it doesn't just mean emotion. The spiritual and the physical response to loss or suffering. That is a very comprehensive understanding that Christians grieve too is because when we understand our emotions, that we are created in the very image and likeness of God, we believe that as Christians. That is a fundamental truth that we're unborn because we are created in the image and likeness of God. And if we are created in the image and likeness of God, then that means that God has given us these emotions because grief and you look at the scriptures. Listen, what is so fundamental about Christianity is that we have a God who understands our pain. God who grieves also. When you look in the scriptures and you find verses like Genesis chapter 6 verse 6, it says this, and the Lord regretted that he had made and the flood is coming and all of that. And then it says this, and it grieved him to his heart. I don't know what your concept and image of God is, 
destruction and decay and his very creation rebelling against him, it breaks his heart. And then we see later in the book of Ephesians that when we're understanding the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, we have a God who understands these emotions. And what's interesting about grief is that often our emotions. And when it comes to grief, it's one of those emotions that not only do we handle differently, and I think there's a number of ways, if you will, that we try to get around grief. The first one is this, as I would call the stoic, which is, you know, just, ah, you know, death, death up, and it's just the way it is. Well, no, it's not. Death was never a part of God's plan. Death entered in after sin, grave of Lazarus, and he sees Mary and Martha and everyone weeping and crying. We learned last week that Jesus wept. And so the idea of the a part of God's plan. The second one I would call this, um, the spiritual bypasser. And I've taught on this before, but this is where we actually use Christianity and Bible verses to of God needed another angel. Or very poor theological statements like that. And I do believe at times maybe it's with good intentions. But when we use, we are rejecting the very thing that can save us is the word of God. The word of God leads us to the depths of our heart to feel those emotions. In I have wasted away. God saw it fit to record those words in the Bible in order to give to us that we might use those words in moments of grief. So we can't hallmark the stuffer, right? One of the things that I found this week is that this tragic event has also brought up what psychologists would call complex grief with a number of individuals in this event, but it's also bringing up the other emotions of family members who have gone before or situations and relationships that are no longer the same. Did you know that I've COVID stuff? We were grieving a former way of life and we didn't know what to do with it, so we just stuffed it. But you've got to understand something. Whatever fills you will spill out of you. So it's not just... And the searcher is searching for distractions. And so instead of feeling these emotions and bringing this grief to God, we need to know what to do next. What's next? What needs to... And listen, those things are great and that's good and that's awesome. But the question that I ask you is, are you doing those things to avoid the reality of the situation? All of that and, and, and survey all of those. And it's because it's to understand the process of grief. And, and last week, we sort of talked about those stages, but I really believe that God sort of worked in me this week. And, and rather than just walking through the... How is grief a part of our discipleship journey? What is God doing in this process? Hopefully, you got that handout whenever you came in. 
um, I created this this week and just, I wanted you can have this so you can have language for this. But when you look at it, really the first stage as to what happens is shock. When tragedy and suffering enter in last week, that our body does that in order to protect ourselves and to even arrive at the knowledge of the situation. So we find ourselves asking questions like, what? Processing it. And then quickly after shock comes sorrow. Sorrow is a deep, deep sadness over the situation. And that is right and that is okay. Jesus, even unto death. So it goes shock and sorrow and then struggle. And struggle would bleed into what we called sort of the bargaining phase of, well, if I would have, or God, why? We learned last week that that is good because we have to bring our grief to God. But there's something here that happens in struggle where we have a choice. It repeats itself and we stay there. We stay there in the shock and in the sorrow and the struggle and then we stay and then it's a cyclical thing. But there's also a moment in there of a surrender, of laying it down, of saying that this is much too big for me. It's not saying that I understand everything. It's not saying that what's in this situation. And God, I lay it at your feet. And when you lay it down, that moves you over to a $3 word that we call sanctification. It's a Bible term. It's a big word, but so is mayonnaise, right? And this term, that please listen to me, that a tragedy and an event and a situation, as Romans 8 would say, that God is so powerful that he works all things purpose. All things. Listen, God is not just so powerful that he would wipe out evil and suffering, but God is so powerful that he uses evil and suffering to produce something good. That God is making us more like Jesus. Did you know that that's the point of your life? That's the point of discipleship, is every day becoming more and more like Jesus. And then in the sanctification of Jesus, but rather to live like Jesus lived and to serve others that are around us. And we've seen that. Guys, I have seen come through when provision was needed. Um, you know, camps and people who normally wouldn't associate together, coming together, hugging, praying with one another. JT's sermon has literally, by definition, gone viral on social. Other congregants that have shared his sermon are receiving messages of people saying things like, I hated God. I was angry at God. I didn't even know this young man. But I saw all of this going on every time that I watched this message. And I don't know what God's doing, but now I know that I just don't hate God, but rather I find myself praying to God. God, people who are far to a story. You got to understand that that your story is evidence of God's glory. If that's one thing that JT taught us. So this is what I think grief looks like in the process of grief too. But it's different because it's a part of a much bigger story. 
But there's also on the back of that handout some daily practices that, quite frankly, that I've been doing that if you've been around me, I'm probably a youth. The first thing is this, is I think to just notice your body. We said that God became human, that the word became flesh, that, that when things start happening in our body, it's like a check engine light coming on. And a very simple practice is to get into a quiet space, maybe take a deep breath, let it out, and notice, am I holding tension anywhere in my body? What's my body trying to tell me? Steve Cuss says that there's three areas that you can focus on. Society or fear, sorrow, grief tends to settle. You need to notice your body. The second thing is this. You need to name your emotions. You need to name them. So if you've been around, what is your dominant emotion today? What's your dominant emotion today? And maybe just jotting those things down, reviewing it, seeing where you're at. But to God and to say those things, to notice, to name, but it doesn't stop there. You have to notify your people. And this, this is the make or break. This is where cycles, but you notify other people and bring them in. And notifying other people is you need to reach out. But the second thing is this, is you've got to be honest. You've got to be honest as to where you're at. Whatever is hidden will never be healed. It'll never be healed. And why do you think Jesus asks the leper to stretch out his hand? Or to expose the vulnerable. important thing about this process is this. What we don't repair, we will repeat. Guys, grief oftentimes exposes the deep thing through the congregation and through the people of Westside that is going to change the trajectory of this church forever. That there is going to be an honesty and an authenticity and a realness and a striving towards Jesus is all that I have. I believe he's doing that in us. Christians grieve too. But the second thing is this, is that Christian, the key in that verse is the word hope. The Apostle Paul says, those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Well, what is hope? We've defined hope this way here at Westside. That hope, that what God has said will happen. That's hope. That's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. God said, what has he promised? We'll look in these verses. God has promised us this very quickly, that Jesus has beat death. Look at what he says. In verse 14, for since wind rose again. Listen, that is our hope. Our hope is that death does not have the final word. 
that Jesus' constitution of our life, that he died a brutal death on that cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he breathed his last and gave up his spirit, that Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb, but three days Jesus Christ was not in it. That Jesus has beat death. Do you understand that death is the great enemy? It is the equalizer. It is the great thief. But we have a hope that Jesus has beat death. He hasn't just beat death, but look at verse 15. For this that we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of... For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in coffee. My goodness. Guys, that we believe, listen to me, every day we should live with the expectation that Christ may return today. That he is coming again and every wrong will be made right. And death will be no more. But here's the good news. Even better news. That Jesus will reunite us with our loved ones. Did you catch it in the verse? With him. And it says, and that the dead in Christ will rise first. Listen, we not only have a hope that Jesus beat death... We do not only have a hope, JT, and all of those who have died before us, and they will return and come with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but JT is going to be hype on that day, man. <laughs> He's going to be excited. This is the hope that we have as Christians, the rest of the world. But what's so crazy when you look in these verses and it says it all the way through, is with, with, with. And then that verse, I love, Christy, that was from the Holy Spirit that you would stop and say that we are always with him. That we will all, and the big idea is this today. Hope is holding on to the fact that God is holding on to us. Amen. About what you do. It's not about your good deeds, though they're good. It's not about your obedience, though obedience does lead to joy. The face, and we need grace to get through this. When tragedy and suffering comes our way, it is not about our grip on Jesus. It's about Jesus' grip on us, that he is holding on to us with this. And we see just leads us in a time of response. There is one scripture that we went over and studied in Memento More that follows in with this. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be, be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. With the Lord. If I'm here through trials and suffering, I'm with the Lord. And my hope is that he's holding on to me. And that when I cross through death, and, and we have this hope, even on Wednesday, 
when they're at the service. I was with my kids. and so hard. But I took my kids to the side. And I said, hey, I've told you this before when Gaga passed, but you need to know this right now. The Lord. And I said, you know, it's kind of like a candy bar. The good stuff's on the inside, and God gave us a soul, and he gave us a spirit. And in Genesis, he created us, but then breathed in us the breath of life. we die, our soul goes to be with Jesus. And it's just like this candy bar, that the candy's on the inside, the good stuff's on the inside. And the outer part is just the wrapper. That's JT's wrapper. The good stuff's with Jesus. And we know that when Jesus comes and that sky splits open and that trumpet sounds, that the day we have a hope and our hope goes all the way into eternity because one day, as the Apostle John writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, no more. And I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as they're from their eye. And death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I am making all things new. This is our hope. This is what gets us through. Not our grip on God. We are with the Lord. In grief, we are with the Lord. At a graveside, we are with the Lord. And when we pass into glory, we are with the Lord. God, we come to you today, and I know and recognize that in this room, there are some who doubt, and there are some who say, Pastor Jason, I don't feel I have a hope. I am anxious about that confidence that Paul writes with. First, I would say, It's not about what we do, but about what Jesus has done. But secondly, I would say this, and I would just say right now that in this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would be so bold as to say that I don't have a hope, Jason, this has revealed something in me to a core, and you, but I want to know him. And I want today to be that day. If you would be so bold and honest in this room right now and just slip up a hand right where you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed, and say, I want to know. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes, Jesus. Yes. To have a confidence. Yes, God. Yes. Father God, we come before you today and know that by a simple raising of a hand, God, right now, Would you take someone from death and cross them into life? Would you open up their heart and mind? Holy Spirit, give them a moment. If you raise your hand, would you just say to yourself, Jesus, 
have mercy on me, a sinner. Satan, God, for those of us who are here who feel the grief so much, may we have a hope that you're making us like Jesus. And even the bad things turn out for good. And even the good things turn out better than we could ever imagine. All in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand right where you're at? If you're a baptized follower of Jesus Christ, you have the elder.